black on black, black. Yeah. Hey. Okay, black, black, black. Welcome black, to the time is now. Black, I'm your host, black, Michael black, Stafford. So black, it is Tuesday, black, February the 8th, and yes, we are still in Black History black, Month, black, people. Let's black, get it. The Super Bowl black, is next black, week. Black, Can the baby Bengals defeat the Regal Rams? The Royal Rumble is just over. Should what should we expect from WrestleMania? But first, NBA All Stars approaching, and so is the NBA trade deadline. So let's get into it. Let's get it. So sit back, relax, and I'll see you on the side. In the back, like, oh, word, diamonds are black, like, what you heard, what you heard, what you heard, spilling some Hennessy black on the curb, just for the memory of the deceased. When I black out of a wake. All right, welcome back to the time is now. Um, let's get into some NBA action. We got a lot to cover, um, so I'll try to be as quick as possible. Um, there's so much happening. We have the all star break approaching, and it's getting really pretty cool because, uh, Later this week on Thursday, they will have the All-Star Selection. I love that because Bron's been in it every year. I think he's done like three years in a row. I think this is his fourth. Um, this time is the first time he gets to go against, I say, someone who's an um, admirable foe, even though he won't be playing the game, Durant. Um, I feel like uh, Durant is going to get pretty jiggy with it. I think he's going to be pretty good. But I think a lot of these times, these guys get so caught up picking up their guys that they get distracted. So it's good that Kyrie's actually not in it. Um but before we get into that and how that all works, we're going to get back into some of these deadlines. So right now, I believe Karis LeVert has been sent to the Cavaliers. The Cavaliers went ahead and did that. That is amazing. For them to get Karis LeVert off of Indiana. It seems like Indiana's doing a fire sale right now. Right? So uh, I feel like Sabonis, if I hear that correctly, Sabonis was a triple-double machine, a triple-double threat every night. Underrated Sabonis. He could fit into any system that's on the block. And Miles Turner, I believe he may still be on the block, but he's in a contract year, and I believe he just got hurt. So that could really change those things. But he is an expiring contract. Who knows? They might want to just get him off the books. But that is bad for Miles Turner. So that's another big trade that went down. The Clippers also took um what's his name uh what's his name powell norman powell goes to go back home he's from la if you notice in the nba a lot of these ballers come from la or at least from california take notice we are the hub for championship caliber players people and we can get into a whole debate another time i know they said oh chicago's a mecca oh new york new york's the mecca oh down in here in dade county miami nah man all the uh, a high percentage of the great players in this NBA come from California. We are the sunshine state and basketball is king in California. Anyways, a lot of pieces moving. And where you need to look to see who's looking to play. Cavaliers were a shock because no one bet them to be this high up. As currently right now, the fourth seed, but only a game and a half out of first. You know, so the Cavaliers are serious. They play great defense. The only thing they were missing, they have Garland. They had the two bigs. You know, that's my name on Twitter. Um, they had everything going. They even had the veteran um, leadership by Rondo and Kevin Love. All they needed was a wing player who could put up 20 any night, and they just got that in Karis LeVert. He's injury-prone. He even had an illness not too long ago, but 
at the end of the day, I think he's all squared away, just like Andrew Wiggins is doing in Golden State. Look to see Karis, Karis LeVert doing big things in the Cavaliers for the future. So the Cavaliers are looking good for the next five years. That's a young team. All right, you're on the lookout. Who else is going to play? Raptors are six. They maybe want to play. Nets don't have any movable assets. The Celtics are aggressively looking to move market smart, but I wouldn't be surprised if Jalen Brown, if they could get a King's ransom, Jalen Brown might go there and do that. Who knows? Jalen Brown can easily end up in Philly for Ben Simmons. You never know. But they're saying holding on to Ben Simmons to the um, offseason because they really believe they can get uh, Harden in a sign and trade. But this is the thing. They're in the same division. Why would you do that? It doesn't make sense. A lot of teams don't do that. Only time you do that is, is, is non-All-Star, non-players uh, 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 who could be organizational changing assets. Yes, the Nets could get better, but guess what? You helped the 76ers as well. And why would the 76ers want the Nets to be better? You're going against them head up. 76ers and, 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 and the Nets are what? How many games apart are they right now? Three games? And that is going to be your foe. And Bede's not going anywhere. Who's the leading candidate candidate for MVP right now? Why would you give him Harden? Why? And vice versa. If, you, if you're, the 76ers are already doing good right now without adding a piece, and 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 obviously, you know, they're not doing their best, but they're doing pretty damn good. And they're doing better than the Nets right now. Why would you try to make them stronger with a player who's not in the league right now? Why would you give them an asset? You're giving them something. So it doesn't make sense. So um, Ben Simmons is going to get moved in this offseason. But if he gets moved before that, I could see them moving to Boston. And Boston, I mean, that's in the same division as well. But you never know. You never know. So other pieces moving. I hear that Kevin Hurd is on the move too. Atlanta's looking to make moves because last season they were like the fifth seed. Now they're the 10th. Barely honing on. And the Wizards, who started off the season hot, are getting they're getting beat pretty bad right now. They got beat again the other night. They're five games below 500 as they currently stand. And they've fallen back down to earth. Now, does that trade look so bad after all? Because Westbrook, we know, can get better. The way this team is looking right now, they're not going to get better. So they're probably looking to make some moves as well. The Knicks are probably looking to move Julius Randle. Um, as he's already unfollowed the Knicks on Twitter and IG. Yeah, so that's going to be interesting. We already mentioned the Pacers. The Pistons are looking to move Jeremy Grant and maybe other pieces as well. Maybe the Magics are looking to move Mo Bamba. Let's go to the Western Conference. A lot of these teams are probably not going to be in play, which is the Suns, Warriors, and Grizzlies. Uh, I feel like they're going to stay pat. Utah might look to make a move. Um, the Mavericks are looking to make a move. These are teams that are bubble teams that are trying to become contenders down here. That's four through six. They're probably looking to make a move. Mavericks, Nuggets, so forth and so on. Um, the Lakers don't have a lot of assets there in the ninth position, but look to them to make some sort of move. So we have to see that, how that pans out. All right. Um, the Pelicans are looking to make a move too. I would really like, I keep hearing rumors about Josh Hart returning back to LA. That's very probable. The only thing is it doesn't really benefit the Pelicans at all. I mean, unless they're building for the future, get that first round pick and probably take in THT. Um, 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 Josh Hart's a better fit than THT. Uh, if you could give them none as well, great. But I don't know if that the contracts don't match if you do none because now you're talking about over 17 million, almost 20 million when you add in that first round pick. So Hart makes nowhere near that. <laughs> so Hart makes as much as THT. That's a value player because Hart can give you rebounds. He's one of the best rebounding guards in the league, and he's one of the best defending um, wings in the league as well. We we saw when he was here, he's even better now. So if we can get Josh Hart for, I would say if we can get Josh Hart for none straight up in a pick, I'll take that because none makes $5.5 million plus that pick and the, and the trade exception. That's exactly the numbers line up perfectly. And they, they can always buy out none. 
So the money just falls off their books and they get that pick what they want. So that could actually work. Look to see if that possibly happens. If not, I would love to see Harrison Barnes come here as well. Uh, um, he could be a decent wing defender. He's not known to be a defender, but he's long. And if he's long, he can sag off and it can funnel it to your defense, funnel it to your shot blockers. And then Harrison Barnes is going to hit that open three. If you see how Ariza played the other day, Harrison Barnes is better, at least at hitting that three or hitting even the mid-range shot or taking it to the basket. He's a better scorer and better rebounder than Ariza. And Stanley Johnson only gives you defense. People are going to leave him wide open. He's going to hit it a third of the time. Where with um, Stanley Johnson, I'm sorry, with Harrison Barnes, he's going to hit it 40% of the times versus 30 or 28%, whatever Stanley Johnson is doing right now. Trailblazers made a great move. They're sending off Powell. and they, they look like a good old boys club move. Um, I heard trade talks with the Spurs and DeJounte Murray. I don't believe it to be true. And we all know that the Rockets are looking to move uh, Eric Gordon and also looking to move John Wall. So those things are looking to happen. We'll see what happens there. The Thunders have a lot of great um, young assets. They might be in a play to just try to, because um, they have so much con- they have so much uh, cap space, they may be a player in some three-team trade. So just pay attention to that. The deadline's coming up pretty soon, uh, later this week. So we'll see how that pans out. I wish I would be recording. I won't be live for a while. So um, we won't get any strong updates on that. You won't hear from me live until like March probably. All right. So that's the trade deadline moves. Let's look more towards this, uh, what we're talking about here when it comes to All-Star Weekend. This is great. So we have Team LeBron versus Team Durant. First of all, this starts on TNT at 3.30 Pacific Standard Time. So if you're in the East, that's 6.30. If you're in uh, Central, that's 5.30 and so forth and so on. Mountain, 4.30, okay? So everybody has their different times. I love it. You guys should watch it. Now, this is how it pans out. First and foremost, Durant's going to be out and Tatum's automatically going to start. So it's like Durant is, is is um this is why I don't like it. Because if Durant's not going to play, they should have the second highest vote getter in the East go ahead and 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 do the drawing. Because Durant's putting it, putting it together a team he's not going to play on. So it should have been like Giannis or something like that. But I'm glad it didn't happen that way. And I'll tell you why in just a minute. So Tatum's automatically going to be a starter for Durant. So LeBron doesn't even get a chance to pick Tatum if he wants to. Tatum automatically goes to the starter. This is how it works. Top vote getter from the West, LeBron. Top vote getter from the East, Durant. They get to choose from a pool of all starters. So now you don't have to pick East or West. You get to pick from any of the starters. Here are the starters. Giannis Antetokounmpo, Steph Curry, Joel Embiid, Trey Young, Nikola Jokic, DeMar DeRozan, John Morant, and and, um, Wiggins. All right? Those are all the starters you can pick from. That's the pool. Whoever the, the top vote getter overall gets to pick first. That is LeBron. I've been successful at doing this before. I was I didn't have a podcast before when I was able to break down who was going to pick who. So I finally get a chance to do it. Hopefully I get it at least close to right. So LeBron gets the first pick and Durant gets the first pick of the reserve. All right. Let's do the starters. LeBron gets the first pick. You can write these down. I say that LeBron's going to pick Giannis first. Giannis was the, the captain last year. How smart would it be to have two captains on the same team? And the, the, the reigning finals MVP who just beat Durant on his way to getting that title, who is probably the best, if not the most dominant player in the league right now. If you don't have AD in your team, damn it, take Giannis, who's actually a better all-around player than AD, but I digress. LeBron's going to take Giannis. Durant's going to take his ex-teammate, the person he wished probably right now that he never left, and Steph Curry. And LeBron's going to be pissed because LeBron's got Steph Curry to last at least two years who's helped him win. But he's going to get Giannis over Steph, hoping that Durant doesn't get Steph. 
Durant will be smart and he will pick Steph. If he does not pick Steph, he's an idiot and they're going to lose. So Durant will pick Steph Curry. Next, LeBron pick, he's going to pick because he picked Steph. He's like, hmm, I can get Trey or I can get somebody dynamic. LeBron likes to get lengthy players. LeBron likes to get players who are athletic and long, mind you, and then also who can shoot. He won't play who can shoot, but he's gonna he's gonna pick athletic long players first because he's gonna he's gonna pride himself on defense. The person he's gonna pick is John Morant. LeBron's gonna pick John Morant, and I'll tell you why. He could pick MB, but he already picked Giannis, and there's already two centers in there. So if he doesn't pick MB, he can always pick Jokic or vice versa. So he's gonna pick Ja over Trey Young because Steph is off the table. Now, Durant's gonna look, he's like, I'm gonna pick right now the guy who's giving me the business in the East. I'm gonna pick MB. And if he doesn't pick Embiid, he's going to pick Jokic. But I think he's going to pick Embiid. He's going to pick an Eastern brethren. That's what he's going to do. He's going to pick Embiid. Because of that, LeBron's like, hmm, I'm going to get a wing. I'm going to get DeMar. I'm going to get the player that is out here from Cali who I want on my team, who I want him to know that I want him on my team. So I'm going to pick him. LeBron always plays the game within the game. He's going to pick DeMar DeRozan in that moment in time. Then, because of that, Durant's like, hmm, who can I get? Because LeBron's not going to pick this guy because LeBron got him 86 in Cleveland when he first came in there. So KD's going to play a little mind game, too. He's like, I need a wing player. I'm going to get Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins, Durant's going to pick him. And then because of that, LeBron, with his last pick, he's like, hmm, I don't have any. I don't have a traditional big. I'm going to pick Jokic. He picked Jokic before. Jokic is going to be like a point center. So you have LeBron who can move the ball around. Jokic move the ball around. Even Giannis. So now also, too, you have defensive players in DeMar. Jokic is long. Giannis is long. And LeBron can help with that as well. And Jaws going to be electric. And then, of course, Durant's going to pick Trey Young. That's who the only person that's left. So, yeah, and so the starting lineup for LeBron will be John Morant, DeMar DeRozan, Giannis Antetokounmpo. I'm sorry, LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Nikolai Jokic. That's his starting five versus Durant. It will be, let's start from this point guard, Steph Curry. And then now you have Trey Young and Steph, which is great. It's fun. It's All-Star Weekend. Steph Curry, Trey Young, Wiggins. Uh, Tatum and Embiid. So far, LeBron seems looking stronger. Now, Durant gets the pick back to back. He gets traded, and now he gets the next pick again in the reserves. Here are all the reserves. You have Harden, Booker, Lucas, CP3, Zach Levine, Donovan Mitchell, Jimmy Butler, Carl Anthony Towns, Chris Middleton, LaMelo Ball, who's replacing um, Melo Ball's replacing Wow, I forgot. Mellow Ball's facing somebody in the East. He's replacing replacing Durant. Duh, he's replacing Durant. And Tatum's replacing Durant in the starting lineup. So Mellow Ball's replacing Durant. And then also, too, who's also... Oh, yeah, and um, DeJounte Murray is replacing um, Draymond. Okay, so then you have Middleton, um, Murray, DeJounte Murray, Garland, Fred Van Vliet. Those are all your reserves oh and rudy gobert my my apologies rudy uh all right so that's all your reserves so now is durant's turn he gets the first reserve he's going to pick his brother harden he's on his team he's going to pick harden so that's that so lebron's gonna pick one of his boys the guy he wanted to be the face of his lebron brand shoes luka Doncic. so lebron's gonna pick luka right so then durant's gonna look around the landscape and say who do i want who do i like and he looks at everything. He's like, hmm, Durant likes to shoot. He's going to find another shooter. He's going to pick Devin Booker. Devin Booker's going to get picked next. And since we're going on the Phoenix Suns thing, and of course, this is his God's godfather to one of his kids, Brown's going to pick CP3, get another son off the books. So that's what he's going to do. 
GP3 is going to get picked by LeBron. Next pick, Grant wants another athletic player. He's going to pick Donovan Mitchell, Spider Mitchell, who, who he's going to pick right there. And LeBron's going to see that and counter that with Zach Levine. Zach Levine is going to get picked by Team LeBron right there. Next pick, Durant says, I need some defense. I need some more people from the East. I'm going to get Jimmy Buckets. Jimmy Butler is who he's going to choose on that team. LeBron's like, okay, you're going to do that? I'm going to get someone after my own heart again, like a Luka, like a myself. I love his team. His brother used to play with me. I'm going to go ahead and take baby, mellow, mellow dip, mellow balls going to be selected by Team LeBron. Then Durant's like, uh, I need some size. We got two big men. Which one do I want? I want Carl Anthony Towns. He's going to have the cat himself. The big cat will be on Team Durant. Then LeBron's like, hmm, these guys are going to play great together. They're on, a, they're both on the championship team together. Already got one buck, fear the deer. I'm going to get Chris Middleton. He's going to get Chris Middleton. The next one, Durant's like, I'm going to get another baller from the East. I'm going to get another shooter. I'm going to surround my team with a bunch of shooters. I've already got Booker. I already got Trey. I already got Steph. Let me go ahead and clear this all up. I'm going to get Fred Van Vliet. That's who he's going to get. But remember, LeBron likes lengthy players. He likes players who can switch on everything. He's going to go ahead and get another first-time uh, All-Star in DeJounte Murray, who's lengthy guard, long wingspan, six foot four, a long, lengthy point guard. So you have Luka, you're going to have Melo, you're going to have Murray, even Job with his long arms. You have all these guys who can handle the ball, who can switch on everything. That's how LeBron likes to do it. Then Durant's going to like, okay, I'm running out of players to pick. This is his last player to pick. He's like, hmm, I've already got Carl Anthony Town, so I don't need Gobert. So I'm going to have to pick another small player in Garland. So he's going to have Fred Van Vliet and Garland. And then LeBron's like, okay, I'll take Rudy Gobert. He's, he's like forced his hand to, to do it that way, so he, where he still gets Gobert. He knew he could get Cat or Gobert. So once he got Cat, he could just stash Gobert and start getting other talent. That's what LeBron does. He does. He's going to do the same thing in the first round. Rather you take Embiid or Jokic, he's going to go ahead and make sure he gets those bigs late where Durant's going to try to fill off his roster based upon who's the top talent left. LeBron is smarter than that, and that's why he's going to win again. So now Team LeBron will have Giannis, Ja, Damar, Jokic, Luka, CP3, Levine, um, Melo Dip, LaMelo um, Ball, um, Chris Middleton, DeJounte Murray, and Rudy Gobert. Where Team Durant will have Tatum, Steph, Embiid, Wiggins, Trey Young, Harden, Booker, um, Spider Mitchell, Jimmy Buckets, the big cat, Carlton Towns, Fred Van Vliet, and Garland from Cleveland. That's going to be the two teams, and I think that's going to be pretty accurate. You can go ahead and check it later. Come back to this audio and see how well I did. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to break down some Super Bowl action. You're listening to The Time Is Now. Are you tired of spending your entire weekend at dealerships only to feel as if you got a raw deal? No! Don't you hate all the back and forth and haggling for countless hours? Imagine this. While you're at work or having dinner or just enjoying life, the people at Pure Diamond Auto are working a great deal on your behalf. With Pure Diamond Auto, they have a team of former sales and finance managers who know all the tricks of the trade. Call 562 562- PDA 7888 today for a free consultation. That's 562-732-7888. What can I say? I love PDA. Happy birthday. 
All right, you know what time it is. It's my favorite part of the show. It's the happy birthday, so let's go. We got Michael B. Jordan turning 35 this week, and Jameer Nelson turning 40. Joe Pesci, Joe Pesci's turning 79 this week, and Jalen Green, Jalen Green's turning 20. Yara Shahidi is all blackish and grown, is turning 22 this week, and Paul Millsap turning 37. Young Swag, Young Swag turning 23 this week, and Saquon Barkley's turning 25. Jennifer Addison is turning 53. Wow, I'm old. And Larry Nance Sr. is turning 63. Terry Taylor Lawrence. Says Taylor Lawrence is turning 30 this week. And Zaza Petulia is turning 38. Khalid. Khalid, the singer, R&B singer, is turning 24 this week. And Bill Russell, the great Bill Russell, is turning 85 this week. Young Miami is turning 28 this week. And Sarah Palin is turning 58. Brandy. Brandy, the R&B singer, is turning 43 this week. And Gucci Mane is turning 42. Kelly Rowland. Kelly Rowland from Destiny's Child turning 41. And Robert Gifford III is turning 32. A YouTube sensation. Blame it on Quay is turning 31 this week. And Jerry Springer is turning 78. Mike Posner. Mike Posner, the, 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 the producer, is turning 34 this week. And Randy Moss. You got Moss. is turning 45. Coach K is turning 75 this week. And Justina Valentine for Wildin' Out. She's turning 35. And from the good doctor, Freddie Highmore is turning 30 this week. And my cousin, Jamal Freeman, is turning 34. And finally, my niece, Paige McCulley, is turning 13. We have some honorable mention. Just actually one honorable mention. Uh, Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds, who passed away 2018, would have been 86 this week. Well, that's all the birthdays we have this week, guys. Now, back to our show. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. <laughs> oh, you're not old enough to know welcome back, Carter. I'm an old dinosaur up in here. I'm barely old enough to remember that. But we got the Super Bowl coming up on the 13th, which is actually my cousin's birthday. Shout out Jamal, shout out Jamal Freeman. My guy, my guy. But your birthday is on the Super Bowl. They pushed it back one week. It used to be on my birthday, but that's neither here or there. They went ahead and did that and took that away from me. I am still not happy about that. Anyways, anyways, stop booing. Let's get into some Super Bowl action. So, with the Super Bowl coming up, um, you have the Bengals versus the Rams. Um, the Bengals are the biggest surprise, but it, it's just all those young Bengals who just keep doing what they're doing. They have no fear. You, and you're, they're never quite out of it. You know, this kind of, they remind me a little bit of the Chiefs, except they're not as reckless. And they'll make good defensive plays. They make opportune stops. It reminds me a lot of the Chiefs. I'm telling you, Joe Burrow's that serious. And, I, and Joe Burrow, the difference between him and Mahomes, you know, he doesn't have the wheels that Mahomes has, but he's nowhere near as reckless. And that's dangerous. He will get sacked six to eight times and still not be phased. The way the Rams got to beat him, they got to beat him up early. And they got to stop Joe Mixon. It, it's not about Jamar Chase. It's not. You obviously, you can't give up the long pass. You can't give up the home run hits. But if you get enough pressure on him early, which the Lakers, uh, Lakers, Brody and Slip, the Rams have the ability to do and have him loft the ball up. They don't even need to go for the sack. Just pressure him and just have your arms up. He's not going to run. Collapse the pocket and get your arms up to make him lob the ball in the air. Give your, your receivers a chance to intercept it. Give them a chance to recover. That's it. 
Don't blitz them too much. Just give them the right pressure. Give them the pressure. Put your, keep your hands up. Don't go for the blitz. Just try to get the bat down, and you have a high chance of winning. And then by doing so, by not blitzing, you don't allow Mixon to get up downhill on you, getting four, five, six-yard gashes, especially late. All right? That's what he tends to do. He gets better as the, as the, as the game goes on. So if you can quell or stop mixing, stop the run game altogether and just and get a nice lead on them early and force them to passing, then you start blitzing them. And I think that's the key to their success. Right now, if you go down to um, the favorites of the game, the odds right now, Bengals versus Rams, the point spread is Rams minus four and a half. And mind you, the Rams are playing at home like the Bucks did last year. I told y'all this over a month ago, the Rams are going to be the Bucks of last year. They're going to be the Bucks of last year. Matthew Stafford, this is his redemption tour. I feel like the Bengals just don't have anything to lose. And, and that can make them be very dangerous. But I feel like the Rams are just frothing. They're going to just, 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 just frothing at the mouth. And they're going to come at them with everything. You got, you got too much. You got Donald and, and the other linemen. Then you have... Um, you have, you have my guy back in the, the linebacker. I always do this. You know I'm going to do this. Von Miller. Um, and then you have Jalen Ramsey. And then you also, they got Weddle out of there. They, they got all these vets, the guys who've already won, and Von Miller and Weddle. And then you have guys who've been just frothing at the bit to try to win, chomping at the bit. You have the Ramseys of the world. You have the Aaron Donalds of the world who are just hungry for this. And they're going to get it. Matthew Stafford's hungry for this. Right? OBJ, hungry for this. These guys are here and they're not going anywhere. They're coming here to punch you in the mouth. And and I, I just feel like, the, I feel like the Rams are going to get up on them early because that defense makes adjustments at halftime. If the Rams get up early, I feel like the Rams are going to win the first half 21 to 10. That's just the first half. Now, the Bengals will make some adjustments. They'll score probably two more touchdowns. But the Rams might kind of, no, I don't even see that. I feel like they're going to score another touchdown and a field goal. Maybe, you know what? They might get three field goals, to be honest with you. We might get three field goals, so I'd say that's nine. So they'll finish the game with 19 points. I feel like the Rams are going to go ahead and put up another 14. So it'll be 14 to nine in the second half. I, I predict the game will end 35 to 19. Rams over the Bengals. The, the odds are saying here, the Bengals versus Rams money line. Um, Rams minus 200. Cincinnati plus 170. Uh, you got to know this, though. The Bengals have covered six consecutive games against opponents with winning records. But that's just covering the spread. It's not saying they won the game. So you can do that how you want, bet how you want in regards to covering the spread. Right now, I don't have them covering spread. Like I said, I have them losing by 16 points. So take that how you want. So that's how I look at the Super Bowl. Um, we can get into a little bit of the coaching stuff because you have uh, a coach in Mike McDaniel. Who <laughs> I am multiracial. Oh, okay, Tiger Wood. We all know Tiger is black. We can see that, you know. But but McDaniel doesn't even pass the what they used to call back in the days the uh, paper bag test. I'm multiracial. My dad's black. My dude over here sounding like Logic. <laughs> y'all know Logic. Look at you don't know Logic. You young cats listening, you know Logic. You old heads, look him up. He has one of my favorite songs. I played one of his songs on the show before. One eight hundred, whatever the suicide line is. That's on. I'm gonna take my time. I feel like I'm out of my mind. I feel like my life ain't mine. That's logic, right? Logic also calls himself multiracial. He says his dad is black, but he doesn't look anything black at all. So when he says the N word, we all look at him like, bro, you need to stop. 
and the other rappers who say he was appropriating the culture. He's a culture vulture. He's like, how can I? I'm black. Same thing going here with McDaniel. And I seen Josiah uh, Josiah Johnson on, on on the on the on the Twitter sphere just having us cracking up. So when it comes to this hire, you see they're trying to get <laughs> they're trying to do everything to trying to hire minority hires, and you just hire um, my guy here. Uh, uh, the blackhead coach. Uh, he's the coach for the Bears. Can't remember right now. Uh, I always do this. I always have these brain farts. But they went ahead and hired him for the Texans job. They fired one black coach, only having them there for one year, just to um, get the other black coach in there, right? And he was the first. It was the first time in history where him and Dungey were in the Super Bowl together. Two black coaches, first time in history, right? So um, I can't remember his name. I'm going to figure it out. So, um, but anyways, so they doing all these different hires and this man has not been a head coach since he coached, I believe the Buccaneers for a little bit, but he also, we all know him for coaching the, um, for coaching the bears into the Super Bowl. The last time the bears were relevant, that's what he did. So, um, lovey, lovey Smith, that's his name. And he, I couldn't recognize him cause he grew his beard out. He always clean shaven. Now he grew a beard out. So they hired lovey Smith, um, just to do, um, damage control and the thing is how many times how long would this last so they're trying to find a way to just get multiracial people <laughs> i think houston was going to hire um mcnown who's like a high school coach like <laughs> like they're not even trying man this rooney room man i can't wait that hey brian Flores is gonna have a serious case man they're doing this now to try to close the case but it's too late the cat's out of the bag you were trying to pay this man to lose game and then when he doesn't go by your program you fire him Y'all keep doing this, man. It, it's crazy. And we talked about it. I'm going to talk about it in other spaces. I'm not spaces, but in other platforms about, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a big enough story. I don't like the fact that it is a story, but it is. And I don't like it one bit. Uh, I think it's, I think it's, um, man, I, I probably don't even want to touch on it right now, but I just, I just think it's a lazy story. Um, I do like the fact that he is doing this and taking those um, actions because it's more so about going against the, the Rooney rule. So you're, you're going against what's in place. He's really fighting that and also saying it, it's it's wrong to not follow the rules. Also stating that, yes, they're they're they're, they're not in, a, in compliance and agreements with the Rooney rule. So they're violating that rule. That's what he's actually suing on. Also. The other point is you're paying us black coaches. Who knows other ones too? But you have him, you have Hugh Jackson, who they're saying that I was paid money to lose games. That goes against the ethics community com- committee. Then you also stated, he's also saying that they wanted him to break rules, another rule, um, in trying to collude or what's the word that they use often? Uh, tampering to get, I guess, Deshaun Watson here. So all these different things that are illegal, they wanted him to do that, put his neck out there and and violate the rules. And he said he would not do that. And guess what? Months later, he's been fired. After he's been the last, um, he's got the last two seasons of a winning coach, which is hard to find in Miami, especially with the limited talent that he had. A lot of people said they were lined up to hire him. Probably not now. <clears throat> he's going to get blackballed like Kaepernick after this. But I like the stance he's taking. Uh, so it's really based upon those things. At the end of the day, I don't feel it's appropriate or proper or whatever to tell somebody who they can and cannot hire. 
whatever the reason is. If that team wants to stink, let them stink. If that team just says, I want to have a bunch of guys who look like me, that's their prerogative. I feel that way. I feel strongly about that. Um, I, of course, I want the Rooney rule to exist. Of course, I want it to be even killed and not, not let them make up their mind beforehand. But it's a lot of time. It's no different from when a woman, when she meets you, she sees you, she knows she's going to sleep with you before you do. You don't have control over that. The women control it. And they know early on if they're going to want to be with you or not, whether they sleep with you or, or you have potential to be a, a husband or boyfriend. They know that within minutes. They still might go and entertain other guys, get free drinks all night, but they know the guy they want. It's the same thing here. They can go ahead and I'm going to go interview you, but guess what's going to happen? That one out of 10 chance that, hey, like, wait a minute. I didn't expect this. Like, like what, what happened with Tomlin? Huh? This Negro here is different. Let me keep hearing what this guy has to say. And their mind might change. So that's the spirit of the Rooney rule. Even if they knew ahead of time who they wanted to hire, you never know if you could have wowed them in that interview and may have changed their mind. If anything, he could have went ahead and the old boys community said, hey, that one Negro, he was Robin Flores. He's, he's, he's a good one. You might want to take him out. We already got our guy, but you might want to interview him. That's how that thing works. So at the end of the day, it's just to force people to interview them, let them check the box to give them opportunities where before they wouldn't even get any interviews. And that's the spirit of it. So he's really going against that. We'll see how strong his case is because at the end of the day it doesn't it doesn't say they cannot make up their mind before they interview you. You can't make people do that. You can't. If you interview one person and it happens to be a white guy and you say that's my guy, but damn it, I gotta interview other people because that's the that's the mandate. I got to follow the rules. I, I, I want to hire you, but I got to wait. Right? So what's the damn difference? It's the same thing. You can't tell me how, how to think of who I prefer to have there. Now, if I, because of the Rooney rule, I'm going, to, I'm going to have to interview this guy. Right? And then I might they might wow me. And maybe I don't hire them now, but I might hire them later or refer them to someone else. But let's not, let's not make it about, oh, you have to do it. You can't make up your mind to you, to you listen to everybody. No, man. This is not a, a court of law. This is not proven proven guilty or proven innocent to guilty. No, it's not innocent to proven guilty. It's not. It doesn't work that way. I own the company. I do what the hell I want. And that's how I look at it. All right. Sorry, I got in my little soapbox early. But before we get out of here, um, you know, I like to talk wrestling every time when it's even relevant. And we got those storylines with the head of the table, all that stuff like that, with Roman Reigns having the belt for almost 600 days. And by the time WrestleMania comes around, it'll be pretty close to 600 days, right? WrestleMania is in April, first week of April, first weekend of April. And he's got this thing with Brock Lesnar and everything's pulling up. And he went ahead and he helped uh, someone from the other brand and uh, Bobby Lashley, who was a pretty dominant uh, uh, guy. And, and, and it was kind of messed up how Brock Lesnar took the belt from Bobby Lashley. He was injured and everything like that. So now it was just as where um, in the last Royal Rumble, uh, Roman Reigns went ahead and helped Bobby Lashley get his title back. Now, because it was Royal Rumble, whoever wins the Royal Rumble, a 30-man thrown over the top rope, who's ever left, that last, left standing at the end, gets to choose who they want to fight, which championship they want to go after at WrestleMania. It doesn't have to be one of the top ones. It could be like the, uh, it used to be the European or the USA. You could go after any title you want at WrestleMania. Uh, people just tend to choose a champion. In wrestling, now there's two champions. It used to be one, now it's two. Because they merged over with WCW, so they have both belts. And they, you know, anyways, I don't like the fact they got rid of that belt. They went ahead and made it a WWE belt with a different color. One's red, one's blue. All right. Anyway, 
Um, of course, Brock came in there, knocked everybody out, and he won a chance. First thing he said, I'm going after Roman Reigns because he did all this. Now, with all that going on, and the way I feel like I said this probably a year ago now, time is flying. But I said this last WrestleMania, I thought that with this whole head of the table crap and everything going on, and I feel like The Rock will return. The Rock is the true head of the table. He is the he is the the direct descendant of Chief Maivia, right? Roman Reigns is his cousin, like a second cousin, if that. And so are the Usos and all the others. Samoans. they're all really for the most of them are cousins, right? Rikishi, all those guys, Rikishi's sons are the Uso brothers. Rikishi is is a, is a first cousin to The Rock. Tamina. Uh, what's her name? Nia Jax, who just retired. Oh my God. Nia Jax is also a cousin to The Rock. So they're all connected. And then you have uh, Naomi, who's married into the family through Jimmy Uso. So it's all connected. I feel like all these guys are going to create a new nation of domination. Because Rock is the last, he's the last descendant of the, of the nation. There's no one else left. There's no D'Lo. There's no Mark Henry. There's no Farouk. All those guys are gone. Um, even well, I forgot his name, but um, Osama Mustafa. But he changed his name to uh, the Godfather with the, with the whole train, all that. So, Larock is the last one standing. He can come back anytime he wants. He's the only one still in shape to do it. And he was the youngest of that group at the time. Him and D'Lo. But D'Lo was always fat. My point is, this is a perfect stage for the Rock to return and to help his cousin retain the belt, or he can have him lose it and to to to, to humble him and say. I'm the tribal chief. You bow down to me. You're just only holding position until I return when I want to return. So the storyline could be epic. And to, to have The Rock come back, the ratings could shoot through the roof. So those of you who don't care about wrestling, I'm sorry I bored you for the last three minutes. But those of you who watch even back in the days, take time to get caught up on the storylines and maybe, hopefully, we can see in WrestleMania that The Rock did finally, finally, <laughs> The Rock has come back to the WWE. Well, that's all the work we have this week, guys. Appreciate you guys for listening. Until next time, you've been listening to The Time Is Now. See y'all later. We do not own the rights to this music.
better stop clapping for something start back up. One of the main questions many people may have, and you see this unfortunately all too often, is people saying, why do you have to keep trudging this up? Can't we just move on? It's been 400 years now. Can't we just move on? What do you hope would be sparked by the conversations that come from a magazine that delves into slavery like this? What, what, do, you, what do you want someone who sits at home and says, they go, Nicole, I'm, I'm white and I, I had nothing to do with this and I don't know what you want me to do. What would you hope people take away? Uh, that's a great question. Let me just say, for the record, nobody wants to get over slavery more than black folks. Uh, it's not... <laughs> it's not to our benefit, right? So, the, the fact that our nation can't get over slavery has not benefited black people for a single day. But that's the problem. We've never dealt with the harm that was done. I'm 43 years old, and my father was born into a Mississippi where Black people couldn't vote. Black people couldn't use public facilities. That was all perfectly legal. We're not far removed from this past at all. And there's never been uh, any effort to redress that harm. So what I hope that people will take from the magazine, every single story in the magazine starts with America today mm -hmm. and shows how these things about American life that you think are unrelated to slavery actually are. And I hope by confronting that truth, maybe we can finally start to repair the harm that was done and then finally uh, start to live up to be the country of our ideals. Been so much talk about history and heritage. Mm -hmm. People talking about monuments in America, people talking about the history of America. But in many ways, Brian, you would argue that the history people wish to America is not, uh, wish to remember of America is not really the full story. What is your project about? Well, it's about confronting the fact that we're not really free in America. I think we're burdened by a history of racial inequality that we have not addressed. And it's become like smog in the air, and we all breathe it in. And it doesn't take much to expose these conflicts and tensions. And so we're trying to change that. We want to talk about some things that haven't ta been talked about. I think we need to talk about the fact that we're a post-genocide society. Before white settlers came to this continent, there were millions of native people who were slaughtered through famine and war and disease, but we didn't call it a genocide. We said those people are savages, and we created this narrative of racial difference, this right. ideology of white supremacy. And that's what ushered in centuries of enslavement. And for me, the great evil of American slavery wasn't involuntary servitude. It wasn't forced labor. It was this ideology of white supremacy, this idea that black people aren't like white people. And we never really address that. If you read the 13th Amendment, it talks about dealing with involuntary servitude and forced labor, but it doesn't talk about ending this ideology of white supremacy. And because of that, I don't think slavery ended in 1865. I think it evolved. And it turned into decades of terrorism and violence. And we don't understand that history, and that's why we started this project. Between the end of the Civil War and World War II, thousands of African Americans were pulled out of their homes. They were burned alive. They were hanged. They were brutalized. We're not interested in talking about this history because we want to punish America. Right. I think we want to liberate America. Mm -hmm. We want to get us to the place where we can actually look at one another without this narrative of racial difference, this ideology of white supremacy limiting who we are and what we can be. You know, I've always had a problem with the the name or the word or uh, anything that says Black History Month. I always thought that was weird. And of course, you know, it's the month that I was born and everything, but more so over, it was, um, I used to always like, why the shortest month? You know, I'm always going to be the cynical one to figure out or find out why these things are the way that they are. Um, 
But then I was like, well, why a month? And I learned later that Carter G. Woodson, I believe it was Carter G. Woodson, uh, who started uh, Black History Week. So, of course, it evolved, and it was in February, and of course, it evolved into Black History Month. But the thing that bothered me about it was uh, why do we have to wait until February to even learn in anything about the history of this country? And, um, and I say that because it's not just black history. Uh, black history or African-American history is just that, American history. So why did the books try to quell it and try not to speak on it? And then we had to fight just for people to learn about it. To only know that now that they have this thing, race-based theory or whatever, critical race-based theory, and then they're trying to eliminate it because for some reason, um, this white guilt where they do not want to feel bad about um, or feel guilty about what their ancestors did and this is the funny thing about it is it really ancestors we're talking about like a generation or two ago where a lot of these things were happening we're talking about things now where we're getting uh what they call it domestic terrorism uh from people who are still killing unarmed black people you still have people still lynching black people and saying oh they killed themselves there's so many things that are still happening till this day but yet and still, they want to act as if they're not happening. And that's the problem I have. I don't want to have it or call it Black History Month. I, it, I just want it to be history every month. It, this should just be part of curriculum. And now these days, they're trying to find ways to get these things out of curriculum. And people always ask every time they turn around, oh, why, did they must, why must they celebrate, oh, the first Black? I keep hearing this is the first Black. You're the first woman, the first Black, the first this and first that. That's because of white supremacy. And people say that doesn't exist. Yes, it does. Think about it. These people many years ago crawled out of the Caucasus Mountains and went ahead and said, huh, we're better than them because we who look like this are better than these people who look like that. First started off with these people who started math and technology. They said, huh, they learned from these people, but had this wicked mind and said, I'm going to use that knowledge against them. We're going to come together and formulate a plot and say we're going to become civilized, air quote. And these are all savages. They're just savages because they're different from us. And started conquering different parts of the world. They said, oh, look, we learned how to make boats. We actually learned technology from others, but we learned how to make boats. We're going to use these boats to go to other places and colonize. Defeat them subjugate them to different things and say we're going to use this opportunity to spread our religion they use religion as a tool and in the religion it told them it told the people there that it's okay to be enslaved this is the way this is the order of things if you do these things you do good by these things when you get to the afterlife you'll be blessed and it's funny, one of those places, African nation in South Africa, where we had to celebrate the first black president in Nelson Mandela in 1994, where the first province president was a white man in 61. This is a black nation. This is Africa. There is no white nation in Africa. My favorite movie is Shaka Zulu. My favorite character in history in that area is Shaka Zulu because he brought them the closest to conquering that area and getting the white men out of their area in Cape Town but he was betrayed by his own people and that still happens today 
So we celebrate Mandelum. We, all he wanted to do was end apartheid, which apartheid was more no more than saying that whites and blacks cannot commingle. That's the basis of it. We could go into deeper things about it, but it's apartheid was that it was just that that it was about white supremacy that we are better than you, we dominate you, and we're going to be in a higher scale of life over there. The poverty people, people in poverty in that region are all native. We celebrate the first black woman to go into outer space in May Jemison in 1992. Why did we do that? Why do we celebrate the first? Because it's for so long, we were not even allowed to read. Think about that. They don't want you to become educated because there's nothing more powerful than an educated Negro. And that's what the fear is. That's what the fear is. President Obama, our first president, first black president, Thurgood Marshall, our first Supreme Court Justice. In spite of it all, in spite of everything that's said in front of us, we're still able to achieve something. We're still able to climb that ladder. But there is a distinctive fear there that they are losing something. We are losing our way. We are losing our foot off of their necks. And the fear is that one day, that we are going to come to a place where they're going to want reparations. They're going to want to become equal. They're going to probably try to get some form of payback. That's the fear. It's not about being equality. They want to make sure that you know that they are still better than you. They don't want you at the table with them. They despise you for whatever reason. They say you smell funny, you look funny. You're nothing more to them than someone who's supposed to entertain them. You're not there to eat at their table. They don't want you to marry their daughter. They don't want that. They don't want to, they don't want to dirty their bloodline. Because that's how they see you. We have to get to a point where our thinking changed. We have to get to a point where we see that all of us being equal is for the betterment of society is for the betterment of the human race as a whole but until we see that until we understand that the human race is doomed to destroy itself until next time you can win as long as you keep your head to the sky Be optimistic Mm-hmm. But that's it this week, guys. Appreciate you all for rocking me once again. Another great show. Good times. Good people. Really appreciate all my faithful, faithful listeners. Once again, um, so coming up the next few weeks, the next few shows, they're all pre-recorded. So some of the information may sound outdated because I recorded them in advance for a lot of my good friends who did interviews with me as I recover from my surgery. Um, the music choice this week was Could Have Been Me by Kirk Franklin's High Tribute, Jay Moss, and the crew. Great, great song, very uplifting, really appreciate it. Once again, if you like the show, like it, and of course, of course, share, and of course, of course, subscribe. Now it's time for our final word. Yeshua said, looking at his disciples, blessed are you who are poor, 
for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man rejoices today and leaps for joy because great is your reward in heaven for that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you whenever everyone speaks well of you for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them to the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes that belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you will have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful to just as your Father is merciful to you. Luke 6, 20, 36. Remember, spread love, share love, embrace love, for God is love. Until next time, peace. Living it for the infinite, into it of the intimate, influenced by the sentiment, sent to it to winning it, surrendered it to the sky, centered in my eye. Living in the glory and the story of the warrior, Victoria, the more we love, from my poor we was to your poor we are.